you've got to build the business out in a way that is joyful because if you're not going to, if you're not going to enjoy this business like don't give up your day job keep the day job right yeah. if you can shut it off go home bitch about your boss and carry on with your day hello i'm elizabeth ribbons your host for next a podcast dedicated to connecting women through stories inspiration and actions that empower resilience leverage change and celebrates their next If you have lived half a century, certainly you have valuable skills, knowledge, and something you can share. Creating online courses on an appealing platform is another way to reach your audience, deliver your knowledge, and create an income source. I've been a Kajabi user for over five years, and I'm continually impressed with the amazing capabilities, options, excellent support, and the dedication to continue to innovate and provide the very best to their users. It's everything you need from soup to nuts to house your pearls of wisdom and share with others. To get your first month free, go to www.nextcareerlife.com backslash income. That's www.nextcareerlife.com backslash income. And get your first 30 days for free. Today's guest truly is an entrepreneur taking the success with the failures and working the necessary hours, designing her business journey. Jay Manning understands the value of her hard-won experiences and is utilizing it to help others navigate their way through launching, developing, and growing a coaching business all of their own into success. Welcome, Jay. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, Elizabeth. Lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, yes. My pleasure. Um, Jay and I have had great conversations about the things that she's doing, and she certainly is very knowledgeable about business. And I would love for you to share with the audience just a little bit about your background and we'll go into it deeper, but just so that they have an idea. Sure. Well, I'm a business coach for coaches, for new coaches who are starting a business. Mm-hmm. I run a digital, uh, not a digital, a, a, a design and events agency, which I've been running now for about 22 years. And um, I still operate in the space of mentoring innovative startup entrepreneurs. And I've been in business since 1996. It's, it's been a while now. <laughs> so in her story, basically, um, she's obviously had some experience and she's mentored others, um, which is really valuable and great that you do that. And um, your first experience, though, you lost $50,000, a home and your partner, and um, that had to be horrible. So you mm. want to talk a little bit about that experience? Sure. Yeah. So I come from a very long line of employees and if there was, I didn't know what I wanted in terms of being an entrepreneur. I just knew that I didn't want a 20 year job. You know, when I say employees, you know, my, my, my family, none of them had careers, they had jobs and there's a massive difference between those two things. Oh, absolutely. So when I looked at, at what they had going on in their life, I knew I wanted something different. And I decided I had what it took to run a business. Turns out I didn't. I sank that business in less time than it took me to get my first business degree. And it was. It was a massively expensive experience. It was, it was shameful. It was painful. I felt incredibly alone. And everybody who I knew was telling me, just go, just shut it down and go and get a job. Yeah. And when I look back now, I realize, and, this, and I think this was a big thing for me, I realize now I actually could have saved that business fairly easily had I had some guidance and mentorship on that particular journey. 
so yeah that's where it started wow and the thing is 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 you're like many people who want their own business they want the flexibility of their own business and to be able to scale or contract or whatever it is they want to do make the decisions realizing that's going to be a lot of work but not really understanding all the all the components that it takes and um we read often now in all the business profiles that mentorship or getting guidance is key. I mean, it's a big, it's, it makes a huge difference um, in, in what you need someone to go and ask, I'm doing this thing and I'm going to spend this, or I'm thinking about signing this contract. What do you think? Right? Yeah. 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 So for you, that was, um, that was definitely something that, um, you know, uh, you learned a lot from and you were able to turn around and create a couple more businesses from that, right? Yeah, I did. I went on to do, to start three more businesses. One of them is the agency that I still love and run today. The other two, I managed to grow and scale to the point that I could sell. That's so yeah, it was a, it's, it's been a, yeah, it's been part and parcel of the learning experience. And it was interesting as you were saying something, something triggered for me was, I've always said it, you know, it's not for lack of information. I had my business degree under my belt. And thanks to my father, I had a really great work ethic. It was neither of those, it was not for lack of information or a work ethic or, you know, reluctance to work hard because it, it is, it's hard to run a business, especially in those early stages. It wasn't for lack of those things. It was in spite of those things. Yeah. And I think that's worth mentioning. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and sometimes, you know, mentors mean those are people who've gone before you, who've experienced those things and know where the pitfalls are. And that's yeah. something that you don't learn in school. You just don't. You have to be out in the, in the trenches, in the fields, doing the work and knowing what can come up. And that's how, all about, uh, I want to just quickly say that women um, midlife are fantastic entrepreneurs because they kind of already been through a lot. They've, they've experienced a lot. They know where things can go wrong and they have wisdom, um, whether they've been working, usually going off into entrepreneurship. Statistically in the, in the States here, they're the ones that are keeping them going. Um, a lot of people, you know, 90, what is it? 99% or 90% of, of, you know, new businesses fail within two years, but the ones that are the women are that are 45 and up, those are the ones that are staying. And I think it's because they've, they've lived a little bit. Um, and, but the, <laughs> isn't that great? Um, and I think yeah. these women are amazing multitaskers, which is why I wanted to talk with you today, because I feel like it's so important that we turn around and we repurpose what we know and we either create a company, a business, a service. And there's a lot of coaches out there and they really are good at what they're doing, but the running the business part of it and getting their whole, you know, put themselves out there and really creating that business and making it profitable. That's something that they don't have experience with. And at the same time, it's a lot to run that portion of the business as well as, as, as being a coach and, and really serving others. So I think you probably see a lot of this in what you're doing, right? Absolutely. All the time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so when they're coming to you, um, are they only coaches or they I would say they're probably like, IP, people that are selling services, right? They, they're selling something that is not tangible. <laughs> yeah. Hey, i.e. coaching. Yeah. And that's, that's the real struggle with coaching is, and I, and I say it so often, coaching is an incredibly hard sell because it's not tangible in the minds of, you know, our would-be ideal clients or, yeah. or any client for that matter. Right. Um, you know, I often say that you wake up in the morning and you know if you need a lawyer, 
you know if you need a logo designer you know if you need someone to do your nails very seldom do people wake up and go you know what i need today i need a coach and the flip side of that is that coaches often don't articulate what it is that they do in a way that communicates value in the minds of those would be you know those those would be beneficiaries of the expertise that they bring to the table. Yeah. And that's, so, yeah, that's absolutely part and parcel of it. A lot of the people that go into coaching, they also want that flexibility and they want um, the ability to, to scale and do what they, what they're choosing to do and, and deliver it as little or as much as they want. Um, when they get to you, I'm just trying to figure out like your perfect, your perfect client. When they get to you, are they completely overwhelmed? Do they have too many they probably don't have enough clients and they're looking to, to, to get more. They've put everything out there. They've done everything, but they're still not getting clients. Is that, is that where so, you're So interestingly, the coaches that come to me fall into two camps. Either they're the, I want to do this and I don't want to make any mistakes. I need someone with me from the get-go, right? <laughs> because that's they just, they just they, that's the mindset. I know that's amazing. And then there's the other camp of coach who has been coaching and I kid you not, sometimes for three, four, and even five years. Yeah. And never had a paying client. Wow. So, you know, so, so they are, in fact, a new coach because they're not coaching, but they're struggling. They just cannot get it together. Or they've had a paying client, but not been able to replicate that process in a predictable way. You know, so they've had you know, one client this year and two clients next year and one client the year after kind of vibe, and so the, you know, which is not sustainable. So it's, it's that they're on that struggle bus of mm-hmm. trying to create that predictable flow, irrespective of what that number is, whether it's one client or 20 clients, but a predictable flow of income into their business. That's key. You just said something really powerful there because I think a lot of people think, all right, I'm just going to do this thing. But it's like, why don't you take that thing and parse it up this way and you can get a flow going with different directions, different, what, what I call diversify your income so that you have something coming in this way and you have something coming in this way, because at the end of the day, we only have so many hours that we can actually be available for something. So I think they have to think outside of the box. I know that's probably a lot for them to consider, but maybe consider it's just like, you know, taking the big thing and parsing it out a little bit so that they can, can actually grow a business and create it with um, growing it with these different parts instead of just all at once and hoping that that's going to be the big ticket. Do you find that that's the case? Absolutely. Look, the the reality is if you ever want to scale a coaching business, one-on-one is not going to be where it's at long-term. No. You're going to burn out because exactly what you said. You only have so many hours, which means you're going to be capped by the amount of hours you have. Even if you become really amazing and you know the go-to coach your referral business even your 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 what you can charge will cap at some point so absolutely to scale you need to be able to to create different mechanisms or and or different offerings in your business but to get there you need to have you know have those one-on-one clients under the belt like you need to have gone through that process so the longer that process takes the longer the scaling is delayed. Yeah, yeah. Very good point. Very good point. Um, so what um, is the most valuable thing? Because I would like, maybe you can point out a few of the things that you learned in making your mistakes. What are the things that 
you could say to someone um, going into a business, like some of the, some real good gems of get a coach for sure. Uh, what are some other things that you would say to someone going into a business or considering it? Like I'm leaving corporate yeah. or I've always had this idea or I want to do this thing. Um, I'm really good at it. Everyone's asking me to do this for them. What would you say to them? So it sounds so cliche, but that first piece is clarity. Yeah. People often go into this with a vague idea. Mm-hmm. You know, they've, they've not actually sat and taken stock of what they want out of it, mm-hmm. what they want that to look like, what they have to put into it. The reality is if you, you know, if you only want to work four hours a week, your chances of building a seven figure business pretty low, you know, unless you've got something phenomenal and under and, and the hood, right? Is yeah. you need to know what it is that you've got to put in. You've got to be realistic about that. Dream, dream a little big, but be, there's got to be a level of realism because if there's not, you're going to find out very fast that you've, you know, you've, you've overshot, mm-hmm. you're going to become despondent. You're probably going to throw in the towel. So the clarity piece of and it's not about, you know, knowing your exact niche when you start, but being realistic about the business. Because if you don't, and that's the other thing that I find that happens often is you give up a career or a corporate nine to five mm-hmm. for another version of it with a crappy boss who is you. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's great. Because <laughs> yeah. the last thing you want to do is become an, you know, an employee that doesn't have a stable paycheck because that's what happens if you don't, you know, if you don't get clear on those things going in. It's, it's, it's out of the pot and into the frying pan, as they would say. So that is the one thing. Clarity is so important for so many reasons. And anyway, we've just briefly touched on a couple. The other big tip is don't start with marketing. Mm-hmm. That is my biggest, and I, I cannot tell you how often. It, I get onto calls with coaches who, and I had recently had a woman who felt like she had been totally ripped off by a business coach who had sold her a a social media program. Mm-hmm. And I try to understand why she was feeling ripped off. So I went to go have a look at her Instagram and her Instagram was genuinely beautiful. It was beautifully curated. It was lovely. And she said to me, you know, but everybody tells me that, but nobody's buying from me. No one's hiring from me. And when I looked into, into her actual, you know, this was after spending about 45 minutes with her going through her social media, her, her Instagram account. I could not tell what she was doing or what she was offering. And in fact, she was not making an offer. And that was that, that part where the, the program she'd been sold was perfectly fine. If you're looking to learn my Instagram, I actually thought it was quite a delightful program. But the reality was she did not know what she was selling. Mm. She had not got her messaging in place. She was not making offers. She had no confidence around selling. She had no sales system in place. Mm-hmm. So none of the things, your know, marketing is where you go when, you know, so if you think about having a brick and mortar, it's when you open your doors and you say, come in, everybody, I'm ready. Yeah. And, and if someone walks into your store and goes, I don't get it, what is this? <laughs> like, like, what is yeah. this about? Like, what is there to buy? You know, what am I meant to do here? Right. Well, that's the same thing, like starting with, with, with marketing. So that, for me, with coaches, and again, it goes back to that thing. Remember, no one's actively looking. Well, very few people are actively looking for coaching. Right. So your messaging has to be so on point that you are the trigger that makes them realize that what they need is coaching to get to the next step. Right. 
That's so so marketing is not the place to start. You need to get, you need, you need to start at the beginning at those unsexy bits, right? So you need to start with that clarity piece. You need to start with the strategy piece, you know, mm-hmm. what it is you need, how you're going to achieve it. Then you've got to build up the structure, those systems, yeah. your, your traffic generation systems, your lead generation systems, you know, Traffic has to turn into a lead. A lead has to turn into a sales conversation. A sales conversation has to turn into a conversion. Yeah. That all has to be in place before you hit the marketing wheel. Yep. Or else, even if people do, even if people did reach out to hire you, you're going to have so many bits and pieces. And in fact, potential paying clients fall through the cracks because you're not geared to to make it work. Right. So that would be my top tip is do not start with marketing, no matter what they tell you. That's not the place to start. And I think that, that you were saying it's an unsexy bit, but it, it's clarity. It's an easy word to say, but it's really yeah. difficult for people to really boil down and dial in exactly what it is they're doing. But also match with that what they want out of it. Don't you agree? Mm-hmm. Because Absolutely. they could say, this is what I'm doing but that might require a lot of work, more work than they're willing to do, or it might, it's not matching the way they want. They have to sort of design that in together. Those things have to be considered. Um, and I'm sure you probably uh, deal with people who probably have a little bit of a um, skewed version or view on how it's all going to come together. <laughs> like they probably they do. do and, and they do. And why? Because they're hearing they're getting bits of information all over the place about how this works and how it's going to, to happen. And, and a couple of things is they're looking at coaches who are phenomenally successful. What they're not taking stock of is that those coaches didn't start yesterday. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so they sometimes you know, they try and reverse engineer what that coach is doing. You need to understand that what that coach is doing is based on them having clarity about what works in their market and for them, very specifically for them, because there are a thousand strategies you could use to grow your business. In fact, I'm pretty sure there's a thousand more than that. Mm -hmm. Not every strategy is going to work for every person in the same way, however. Right. we We hear about business building strategies all the time. You know, some people's you know, version of a business strategy is get onto a Facebook Live every day, every single day. Well, if you're someone who literally dies a thousand deaths in front of you know, a video, on live video, there's going to be no joy in building your business that way. Right. You know, if, if, you, if, you, if, if someone's telling you, you know, you've got to consistently show up in this way and do all these things every day, yeah. And any one of those things are out of your wheelhouse of what is natural to you because we all operate differently, even in our careers. Yeah. You know, some are natural procrastinators. Some are, you know, a hustle and get everything done. Some people leave it to the last minute. Some people struggle with consistency. Some people are OCD. You've got to build the business out in a way that is joyful because if you're not going to, if you're not going to enjoy this business, like don't give up your day job, keep the day job, right? Yeah. If you can shut it off, go home, bitch about your boss and carry on with your day. Right. You don't want to start, but the business needs to be joyful and it needs to work for you and not the other way around. Yeah. And so that's, that's a big part of that clarity piece is, is making sure that the business is a, you know, as I said to you the other day was the business is not outside of you, but an extension of you. Right. And that's a process. That's a process to, to, to working that out. 
Yeah, and, and, and again, going back on that transition of leaving the employee and becoming an entrepreneur, um, that is a huge thing too. But, you know, a lot of people feel that they're safe as employees, but the way things are changing right now, we're all becoming entrepreneurs in a way. I mean, in the, in the States, it's, it's this whole remote working, this hybrid workforce. Whether you're being a coach or you're doing, you are basically the brand, which is an extension of you, like what you were just saying, and I, I get sick of that term. I'm a brand. But the thing is, is it, the work that you're doing is an extension of you. And so perhaps you're contracting with companies to create for six months this project, what have you, because it's now becoming remote work. And you have to be really good at clarity, being able to, to, to say what it is they're going to receive from you, be able to talk yourself up and answer their, their problems, and then be able to deliver it. And that sounds really easy. Well, you and I can sit here and, and, and talk about this, but being able to really do that where people can be confident in, in you and say, look, I just need this, this done. That's where uh, you have to, it's sort of like where the rubber meets the road. Like you have to really know that yeah. spot. You have to really know how to come in and do that. And um, it, that takes practice, right? It takes practice and it takes systems. <laughs> it takes both of those things. Yes, yes. You, you have to set yourself up for success. Like you have to give your best yourself the best chance you possibly have of delivering, like you said, yeah. of, of, of succeeding. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's all that it's all that stuff that no one wants to talk about and nobody wants to do. I love the systems because honestly, systems take a while to test and get put in place. And it's a lot of hard work. Um, You don't want to do too much, but you want to have something in place because then when, when that opportunity comes, you want to have all of that working really well so that you can go do what you need to do. Um, Can you talk a little bit about systems as far as, you know, do does everyone do different things or do you kind of keep it in the same kind of format is there a is there like a one recipe that fits all or can you give a little bit of information about that so you know there are certain systems that have a natural flow you know yeah. one always follows two two always follows you know or three always follows two so yeah. two always follows one i've gone backwards so there are those kind of natural flow systems. Uh-huh. Uh, so a workflow, an SOP around how you onboard a client can be a pretty generic system insofar as the steps. Yeah. How you implement the steps is a, is, is a personal thing. So, you know, what, what the, 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 the varying little bits and pieces are that you, you know, used to create an onboarding experience that excites and delights your, your clients, that conveys the important bits, that is very much up to you and reliant on what it is you're coaching on. Because remember, if you're dealing with a corporate client, that onboarding process looks hella different than if you're working, if, you, if you're targeting mompreneurs. Oh, such a good point. Wow, that's a really good point right there. Go ahead. So, yeah. No, but yeah, it, it's true. So, so a system... You don't want the last thing you want to do is have systems for the sake of having systems. Mm-hmm. I I can't stand complexity, and I hate doing an ounce more of admin or work than I need to. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's about what are the critical systems that I need to make sure that I'm not dropping any balls, that I'm creating a consistent you know output in my business. So so the kind of systems you know I work on with my clients are the daily and the monthly systems. So what it is you should be doing and focusing on, on a day-to-day because mm-hmm. I see it with new business owners. 
there are so many things to do and they are feeling so overwhelmed that they're doing a little bit of this and a little bit of that, nothing at all. You know, they're either focusing entirely on marketing and forgetting revenue generation or they're focusing entirely on operations but not marketing. So, so creating that, that balance in terms of, of those systems. So there's those, those daily systems. There are um, the client systems. So that, that runs from client onboarding actual work, you know, and again, depending on what kind of work you're doing, how you take briefs, how you run workflow, how you outsource to team members, how you communicate consistently, how you measure those goals consistently. And again, this is so varied depending on who you are as an individual, the size of your team and who your target market is. Uh Um, Offboarding, the follow-up systems, sales systems, you know, how you run your sales process, I, you know, the reality is one of the biggest things I see, you know, two of the big mistakes that I always say that coaches make where it comes to sales is firstly not making an offer. Mm-hmm. But then when they do make an offer, the follow-up's not there. The reality is 50 to 60% of the people who do not buy from you the first time you make an offer will buy in the follow-up. Yeah. And, and, and so that's a very important system to have in place or else you're leaving money on the table. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of system. Your, you know, your traffic generation systems, it's great to have an amazing website. It's a great to have an amazing opt-in or a lead magnet. But if nobody knows about it, it's not going to do a damn thing for you. You may as well not have it at all. Right. So you need to develop traffic systems. What that looks like goes back to, are you a live video kind of person? Are you a podcast kind of person? Are you someone who's going to show up every day, four times a day on LinkedIn or, or, or run a Facebook? What are those things going to look like? Yeah. So, so building a system that works for you based on who you are and, 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 and how you shine. Mm-hmm. Because when you, when you are comfortable and when you are confident, you're automatically more attractive in terms of someone wanting to work with you. Right. So, so there's the traffic systems. There's your lead gen systems. Having, you know, having things set up for, for conversion, constantly measuring those systems. When you put something out into the world, what kind of response are you getting? Yeah. How, you know, how many people are, are are you leading towards it versus how many people are actually signing up for the thing? If it's not working, you need to change that system. You need to make sure that that system, you know, is that or should I say that working with you is a natural next step for your would be client as a result of that system. Yeah. Another, another mistake I see is people do things because they're told they have to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, so the lead magnets are a really great example. They, they, they create lead magnets because they're told that's what they need. With zero thought about why that particular lead magnet would or wouldn't convert into a paying client for them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's those kind of systems. There's, <laughs> there are systems. <laughs> it's, your content creation system is a thing. Yeah. You know, it, how are you putting out, you know, are you, otherwise you get stuck on that content creation hamster wheel, which mm-hmm. like where's, where I actually think creativity goes to die. I certainly think that's where coaches go to die. Like it, it's, <laughs> it's, not, it's not something you're wanting to do, but you need to be putting out something because your expertise, mm-hmm. you know, you talked about personal brand, your expertise is the only thing you have as a coach. It's the only reason someone's going to hire you. So creating content the right kind of content in a meaningful way at, mm-hmm. at a, you know, at a cadence and a, and a frequency that you can maintain mm-hmm. is critically important. But if you don't have a system in place, it's just, trust me, that's the first thing that you're going to keep pushing to the side and go, 
I'll get to it, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. And two years later, you'll still be getting to it. But if you, you don't have that system, you're not going to be converting and then you're not going to be getting the... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So that it becomes an ecosystem. And it's not, it's not about building mammoth systems. Mm-hmm. So in those, in those early phases of your business, and I think this is really worth mentioning, is you want what I call minimum viable quantity of anything. You know, if you've got a website, you do not need a 45-page website with unbelievable technology driving it. You need sufficient to start to get your business going, your systems. You don't need the system that's, you know, that's a CRM system, you know, for the likes of of Google or, you know, your, your big corporate companies. You need a CRM system that will work for your first couple of clients or those first calls or those first whatever. You need a minimum viable quantity because what happens is you spend two years building Mm -hmm. and that becomes the reason you don't start selling or the reason that you don't start putting yourself out there or the reason that you don't make yourself available. You need to make sure that whatever you're doing in your business doesn't become the reason that you are delaying on actually getting the business needle moving. Right. Yeah. That's so, you just said so many gems there. I love that you said with the content, um, you know, make sure it's something that you do that you shine in, that you're, that you are so naturally comfortable with that it doesn't become this huge chore that starts eating up your life and your soul that you can do that naturally and then turn that over into something, into the systems that create the, the business for them, which is why they're doing it in the first place, Right. Um, I yeah. love all that you had to say there. And, and the fact of the matter is, is um, when people spend a lot of time creating and, and doing all of that and not creating the systems, then they, they're losing those opportunities. Um, so you have so much uh, great things to say. I wanted to just say, too, that you have a quote. The most important thing about my journey that I have learned has taught me that my business can be whatever I choose it to be. That's that's a great quote. And do you want to just talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I, I learned that when I, you know, one thing I've learned is that I have the ability to survive recessions. So, you know, this might be, you know, be considered my third recession. Second one was in 2008 and it was a you know, global recession. And I had, the agency was quite large scale. When I, when I say large scale is we had sprawling office space, warehousing, fleets, staff, teams. It was a massive, massive machine. And the recession hit. And if there's, you know, the first thing that, that, that corporate companies dial back, because it's, it's, you know, our, our clients are large blue chip national, multinational, international corporations. Mm-hmm. The very first thing that they scale back on is events, marketing and events. It's the very first thing that, that gets parked and, yeah. and put on the back burner until things have stabilized. So we had to use the word pivot really quickly in terms of what were we going to do to ensure the longevity of this business? Mm-hmm. And I'm a natural, you know, I'm, I, I'm what I call a builder entrepreneur. I love creating things to scale and, you know, the bigger and the better and the more juicy and the more, you know, room to play, the better. Mm-hmm. But I knew that, you know, we couldn't hold on to things. We had to dial it back. And so we did. We started selling off assets. We started reinventing ourselves. We started offering our services in a different way. And it was so interesting. 
was when I downscaled the team, I realized that, <laughs> I'm reluctant to say this, but yeah, I've always said if you, <laughs> there's one thing that can steal the joy out of your business, it's employees, it's, it's staff, right? So when I dialed that back, I suddenly realized that I had actually stopped working on my business about three years prior to that and was so deeply entrenched in working in my business as a result of staff needing me to micromanage and to whatever the case may be, right? that I'd actually stunted our growth. Even though we were, even though we were, were sizable, it had stunted my growth. So the freedom that came with downscaling, it allowed us to be a lot more agile and respond a great deal faster. It allowed us to to offer things in different ways because we weren't encumbered by the fact that we needed to offer things in certain ways in order to cover costs of this great big mammoth enterprise. Right. And then a couple of years later, I actually decided I no longer wanted to be encumbered with office space. You know, I had three offices around the country and I was spending so much time flying and, and, and in airports and abroad and on sites, on event sites. I was like, why am I doing this? I'm managing mm-hmm. staff who, you know, and I, I dialed it right back. And I actually went into a home office environment and started working with a remote team. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I fell in love with my business all over What year again. was that? What year was that? That was about seven years ago, six, seven years ago. Now. Okay. Because yeah. I had to do so something cause... similar, and I tell you I love it. And I thought it was the best thing. Yeah. But I did it yeah, But you know, I, I worried. I thought it would make me not real, not legitimate, not credible. And, and I think in my mind, I'd always gone, oh, if I go to a home office, you know, is that really professional? I won't have this big, you know, amazing office space. Didn't need the office space. I didn't, you know, it's, it's not actually, it, it didn't contribute to how we delivered the thing that we do. And we've got very long-term clients. I haven't taken on new clients in five years. Um, you know, in terms of corporate clients, you can't work with us through, unless it's through referral invitation. And we don't, you know, we don't invite anyone and we don't even take on any new clients. We operate at full capacity. Some of our clients have been with us for 20 years. Wow. So office wasn't going to make a difference, but that weight and, and working with freelancers and industry professionals, it was a game changer. But again, it took a mentor to get me through both of those transitions. Yeah. Right? Because with both of those things required me to be a different person and to show up in a different way and to be willing to, to, to accept some pretty uncomfortable truths and, and, you know, learn new things. I always say it, it required me to extend the geofence on my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And I don't like doing that. I'm a control, you know, <laughs> I like feeling like I'm in control, but sometimes that can stunt you. And it was in fact. So those well, three it, gen- I gotta say that it's, it's, it's double, it's like a double edged towards because of the, the way that you're made. that's why you scale. That's why you accomplish as much as you accomplish. It's why you do so well. But at the same time, it can be a a negative in the sense that you're focused on that and someone else has to come in and go, "Mm, wait. And you're like, wait, no, this has worked. This has always worked. So I can see. Also, some, some of what I was reluctant to relinquish was what I considered icons of success mm-hmm. and, and looking successful. And I realized a lot of that came from what other people were telling me. In fact, it even came through from some of my, 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 you know, in terms of the business degrees I'd done, this is what a business looks like. This is where you should be going. It's a bit like, 
you know, you've, you've barely got a boyfriend and everyone's asking when you're engaged and you've barely got engaged and they're going, when are you getting married? And, and I realized I had gone that journey based on other people's input in mm-hmm. terms of what I should be doing to remain successful. And then I realized my business could be exactly what I needed to be. And it could be, it could remain successful because for me, success meant my clients love working with our team. They love, they, I love the way my team is able to deliver. I love the freedom I have to work from anywhere in the world and, and, you know, have a lifestyle. I have a, I have a really amazing lifestyle. I love everything about it. We travel, I, you know, I work four days a week. I work three weeks a month and I work seven months a year. Mm-hmm. That's that great. Is my version of success. That is what I needed. I was I was actually pretty burnt out doing it the other way. Although yeah. it, you know, on the surface, you know, when I when I pulled into the lot every day and I looked around me, my God, I felt successful. Yeah, and I was exhausted. I was exhausted. Oh my gosh! You know what? You are the epitome of like you're the perfect example of the trajectory and journey that um, someone who is an entrepreneur takes. And then when you get to a certain place in life, you go, wait a minute, I can do this better. And I don't have to do it as, as I don't have to do it this way. And I love it that. And I love so hard. it doesn't have to be hard. And, mm-hmm. and the fact is that you, you wanted to become more agile. So I just wrote a blog about this and it's, uh, it's a, it's a real passion for me where we learned this, my whole thing is learn this flexibility, learn how to pivot quickly, learn how to like pack up your stuff and be able to go over here and start that business. Just like you did, you reinvented, you, you created business from the business that had stopped because of the, the economy failing or whatever had happened, the recession. So that takes, you know, some real stepping back, contracting in order to expand kind of thing, looking at what you, and you had to contract it to get rid of people. You had to, you know, do all that. But in the end, it really did help you. You got more of what you really truly wanted out of life. And, and you've learned so much on the way that you know exactly like what you wanted probably when you were in your 20s and 30s is not what you want now. And look at the lifestyle you have. And that's the point that I always make. It's like this ability to be able to, to contract and expand and be flexible and agile, that's the key. And knowing what it is you have and what you can bring and what you can reinvent is key. And I love that you said all of that and, and that you had a picture in your mind. Like we all did, believe me, I had, I had all the big, and when I, we hit a recession and there's other things that went in my life and my business was like almost, you know, flatline. But I was able to, to quickly get out of the office, the whole library, the whole big things and, and, and go remote. And I've never gone back. I think remote is the fantastic way. And it also keeps women. It's mainly women that I work with. It keeps them working too. And then I tell my network, use these people. So everyone stays working. So to me, I think it's better than having to manage employees. Don't you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. I don't think anything in the world could make me go back into a hiring employees phase ever again. Um, but you know what I love that you mentioned was the phase. As you often see, you'll see these quotes all over social media going, you know, you don't have to hustle. You, you know, you can work from flow. There's no hustle required. And then others that, you know, tell you to hustle. And people have strong opinions about both those things. And I, I always bring it back to, I didn't want to work from flow in my twenties. I had the appetite and the energy to hustle. That's all I wanted to do. Yes. I was true blue hustle all the way through, you know, probably into mid thirties. 
And then there comes a stage in your life where you want to work differently. Yeah. There's no, it comes back down to there's no right or wrong. Mm-hmm. It's what's right for you in that time. Yes. And that changes. You know, yep. the, the business that you want and you build in your 20s, probably not going to look exactly the same way Mm-mm. in your 40s, even if it's the exact same business, because you want something different and you need different things at that point. Yeah. And the thing is, is that, and and again, going back to, you didn't want, and a lot of people, this is where they get stuck at that precipice. They're like, I've built all this. I'm not loving it. I'm not happy. But what will it look like if I don't have all of this to define me? And then when they finally get an idea that they can go on and be pretty fantastic without all that, it's just been, they get to go in and live their life in a different way. And that I think is really key for people who are midlife. We want to show up and live our life and enjoy it. And we want to still be relevant and working and, and doing what we love to do. So to me, it's like the perfect balance for now. And I'm, um, I'm embarrassed to admit that had it not been for that recession, I don't know that I would have, I, I think it would have taken me a very long time to realize I was traveling the wrong way. <laughs> Jay, I think, I think that I think you're normal. I think that is the normal. I I deal on this end of what I see and how I'm working. I see so many sort of in jail because they've built this jail for themselves and they're just miserable. And so the recession pretty much saved you because you had to contract, you had to step back and go, okay, I got to pivot switch. And you and I are the same, like, you could drop us probably anywhere and we'll go, okay, I'm going to, you know what I mean? Like you just figure it out, Yay, but, let's but do it. that's yeah. what I've had to do for most of my life. I built the big thing and I always draw pictures when I'm giving this, when I'm talking and I'm speaking and I draw like the stairs and the stars and the star at the top. But then when I got there, I wasn't loving it. And so I had to like start thinking about how I could shift it. And I've been in that mindset since I was 29 and that has served me well. But I feel like now the world's catching up. The thinking is catching up to that. We all have to be ready to shift what we're doing and, and, and continue on. But so that we're happy because like I said, 20s and 30s, you want something different. You want that. You want to put the flag on that mountain and be like, I did this. But when you get to your 40s and 50s, you're like, you know what? So what? Like we've all done that. I'm happy to picnic here at the bottom. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we've all done that. That's cool. You go, you go. I'm going to just enjoy my life here. So, you know, I, I, I definitely, I think we're totally aligned on that. And I really enjoy always talking with you, Jay. Um, This has been fantastic. And um, I just want to wish you great success. And I hope that we overlap you know i really i I think your thinking is just right spot on so um i I thank you so much for taking the time with me today thank you for sharing space with me i i always enjoy when we get to connect so thank you elizabeth thank you jay thank you for listening links to mine and my guest social media as well as other resources you might enjoy are all in the show notes Why not take a quick 10-minute quiz to help find the right resource for you? Download the Compass mini course or browse the resource page and see what the next community has to offer. All available at www.nextcareerlife.com. Enjoying the show? Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or share the show with a friend or coworker. Word of mouth is still the best way to find out about new podcasts. Until next time. 